Welcome back to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is Wendy without John, and we are continuing our very special series of HR Wonder Women, where my good friend Ann Tompkinson is joining me so we can highlight some very awesome women of color that you need to know. So we hope that you enjoy this series. Anne, welcome tonight. How are you doing? I am doing well, Wendy. Thank you very much. How are you? I am doing well. It is a Sunday evening, and I think it's the last of summer from what I've heard, but uh, had a lot of fun with the Girl Scouts today, ready to kick off fall with them. I am not ready to say goodbye to summer, I have to admit, but uh, (laughs) I guess I don't really have any say in that. No, it kind of happens whether we like it or not. Well, we have a a great show for y'all tonight, and so we'll jump in and get started. Um, Anne, why don't you introduce our guest? Thank you very much. I will. I am very excited to have Sarah Morgan on the show. I have been following Sarah on social media for a while and admire her and look up to her. And I just, I just, I don't even have words for how excited I am about this episode. So let me introduce her. Sarah Morgan is a human resources executive with nearly 20 years experience as an active practitioner across several industries. In 2011, Sarah began her blog, The Buzz on HR, under the name Buzz Rooney, which was a spin on her childhood nickname. In 2013, she retired the pen name and began blogging and speaking under her own name. Sarah has been named to HR Blogger Network's Top 40 Under 40, the Recruit Daily Top 300 Women in HR Technology, and the Expert HR UK list of top global HR voices. The Buzz on HR has been named to the Proven Best HR Blogs, the Bamboo HR Top HR Blogs, the Wanalo Top 25 HR Practitioners Blogs, and the Payscale Top 25 Must Read HR blogs for consecutive years. Sarah is also a wife and mother living outside Raleigh, North Carolina. When not writing, speaking, or practicing HR, she enjoys speaking out against oppression, binge watching TV, and taking cardio dance classes. And I am exhausted just reading all of that. (laughs) Um, So Sarah, I'm going to jump right into the questions. One of the reasons that we really wanted to do this podcast is to amplify the voices of women of color in HR. We know that the experiences of women of color are different than that of white women. There are some commonalities, but too often feminist issues are defined by white feminists. What are the unique challenges that women of color face in the workplace? Well, we're just going to jump right into it. Um, That's that's what we do here. I know. Thank you, first of all, for having me. Um, I think that what's different for women of color, and and I speak as a Black woman myself, is really navigating that dual burden of being both a woman and a person of color at the same time in the workplace. You're dealing with double the microaggressions, and a lot of times you don't even know which one is at play in the moment. Is this happening to me because I'm a person of color? Is this happening to me because I'm a woman? It's Sometimes it can be so, sometimes it can be both, and, and sometimes it can can be so nuanced that you're just not sure, you know, which one is the thing that is causing the burden when, when there's no other obvious explanation, you know, as to why. I think as Black women, we find our credibility and our authority being questioned more often when we're in the workplace. Um, and we find that we're excluded from kind of the informal networks, which leads to mentoring, which is super strange because studies are showing that among the populations in America, Black women are the most highly educated. We have more advanced degrees than our other female counterparts, but yet we're still only about 8% of the people 
at management and executive levels were about 3% of the C-suite. And when you look at board seats among the Fortune 1000, we're right at 1%. And it's like, how is that possible? You know, Forbes magazine in an article I was reading said that we are the least likely group to be promoted. And how do you mesh that with us being the most educated group? Like it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Um, And I think that's why you're starting to see more and more Black women taking the route of entrepreneurs. Um, We are the largest growing entrepreneur population in America right now. And I think it really just speaks to the fact that we are tired of being marginalized and we're just going to focus on making our own way rather than continuing to play this game with a deck that's stacked against us that we can't win. When you look at that in, in the face of the workplace, it just, it forces Black women And I think to some extent, all women of color to start to look at things differently and start to figure out how I can create a different path for myself rather than continuing to to deal with spaces that don't want to make a place to include me. Um, I I think you're you're right on the money with a lot of that. And so this kind of goes into the next question, too. Our our last guest described challenges for women as roadblocks, which is much more significant um, Mm -hmm. than just challenges. Sometimes I feel like we're trying to minimize what the challenge is, too, and we don't make it as big as it is. So let's talk a little bit about how HR can help break down some of those barriers that you've just described. I loved what Margaret talked about when she said, you know, that these are real legitimate barriers. I think the term that I've also seen used is is a concrete ceiling, you know, for women of color, whereas whereas white women are facing a glass ceiling and that's daunting. But I think that as HR practitioners and professionals, we have got to become more educated about how bias plays a part in our workplaces and we have to create programming to address it. There are still so many harassment and discrimination trainings that don't address bias head on, that don't talk about microaggression and the impact, you know, and and HR is failing as it relates to that because we're still scared to address these topics head on. And I think a large part of the reason why we're scared is because we just don't understand it ourselves. We struggle to understand privilege and fragility. We won't even admit it exists in some circles. And if we don't understand that, then how are we going to properly advocate for diversity and inclusion and equity? Um, How, if we don't understand that, we don't know where those things intersect. We don't know where, where they're different. If we don't understand how microaggressions and dog whistles play out in our workplaces, we can't be effective in eradicating it. And so that I think is where it starts is really with us taking the time to educate ourselves about these topics. This is so huge, you know, for us right now um, in the world. It's not even just in the country. And there are so many resources at our fingertips that if we're committed to doing this work and doing it right, we can learn more about it and do better. And then the other thing I would say for HR is that we have to get more active in the succession planning space um, because 
I think a lot of times we leave the work of succession planning to the leaders of the respective departments. Like if accounting is trying to figure out who's going to be the next CFO or who's going to be the next um, senior director of finance or stuff like that, we let them figure that out themselves. And so we don't take those opportunities to say, let's look at some different people. Let's look at, um, you know, some other folks. Is this an opportunity for us to add a new perspective, to add some diversity? into that group. Um, we let ourselves kind of fall to the sidelines and then we can't, we have no opportunity to to partner up with them and, and start pointing managers in a better direction. Another thing I think that works is is really slipping in diversity and, and representation in non-threatening ways. I know uh, a lot of people don't like that because there's this idea that that diversity has to be in your face, um, but it, it doesn't all the time. We at, at my job this year started, we have seven offices spread throughout the United States, up and down the East Coast, and then out into the West Coast. And we have a, what we call a digital bulletin board that runs the same announcements and things that, so that employees in every office are seeing the same thing and having the same experience. And we infuse inspirational quotes and historical facts about our industry. I mean, we're in security and every quote that we've selected this year has been by a woman or a person of color. Every did you know fact about the history of our industry has been about a woman or a person of color because it's just infusing that representation in there to let people know that there are other voices, you know, marginalized voices that you don't normally hear that you can. Then we do trivia contests. You so we'll say, you know, what was the fast fact for this? And that forces people to kind of keep in their mind that this black woman was the first person to create and get the patent for closed circuit television. I'm not sure anybody else would have known that, you know, if we hadn't done that. So it's taking those kinds of opportunities to infuse some some representation in ways, not just during Black History Month or Women's History Month, but infusing it at other times of the year and just working it into regular events and things that you have going on. Um, I know later on this month, we're doing a cultural acknowledgement and we, you know, we just try to make sure that we celebrate the diversity that we have within our group. And I think that HR can do that more often as well. I think that's great. I think that intentionality, because if so much of the history that we are told kind of in the mainstream that we learned growing up in school, that's just sort of out there, just ignores women and ignores people of color and yeah, it does. and so if we're not intentional then we never bring people back into the center where they need to be um, mm -hmm. and so it's really not like oh a numbers game or oh you're being artificial you're just being intentional I think that's fantastic I mentioned in the bio that you write a blog the buzz on HR which is a fantastic blog and you have also you started I guess a couple couple years ago now uh, the black blogs matter and yes um, you have spoken earlier this year on the no ego podcast with Smith and on the impact makers podcast with Jennifer McClure about the history of that and how it came about and what you were trying to do with that. So I think if people want to know the backstory about that, they ought to listen to those two podcasts because they're really good. But we want you to talk now about what's next. What do you see for Black Blogs Matter? Where do you see it going? Tell us what's next in all of that <laughs> oh, stuff for you. you. Know, I, I never cease to be amazed at how well the challenge was received and how much people have started to look forward to what's next and what's going on with it because that wasn't at all like what you know what I expected so it it continues to like surprise me and and 
just inspire me to keep going. But the challenge will be back in 2019 with the new lineup of topics. Um, this year, I got a little over ambitious and ha- I had two two segments of the challenge going on at one time. One was a, a daily challenge that featured Black bloggers in different spaces, everything from lifestyle to fashion to finance. And that was really fun because I exposed myself to people that I would not have found, you know, otherwise, um, just because it wasn't in my normal purview. And now I had to go and look for it. And so it was new people to follow and new people to connect and partner with. So that was really great. And then I extended the normal challenge, the writing piece of it from being a 28 day day challenge to being a weekly topic for 16 weeks, which was a lot like that. I was like, Oh, this is more like I didn't anticipate that. So I'm, I'm still trying to figure out what the what the right balance is because I, I don't want to just write for Black History Month and then drop it. But I think, but it carried into May. And uh, that was a long time creatively because a lot of the stuff that you're writing about is heavy topics, man. And, yep. and, and you you do that work and, and it gets laborious after a while because it's heavy stuff to talk about. So I've got to figure out what the proper balance is, but it will definitely be back. Be back. I am also launching the Black Pods Matter podcast. Awesome. Um, yeah, I hosted a podcast back in 2016, 2017 with um, performance I create and I really loved it for a number of reasons. I had to walk away from that and, and now I've taken some time and I'm like, no, I think I, I want to get back into podcasting again. So right now I'm in a podcast cohort and I'm developing the idea and, and just really trying to get myself together so I can make sure that the content is focused and so I can be as successful as possible and just really wanting to feature black voices talking about what's going on in the world um, to give everyone an opportunity to hear about everyday topics, you know, from the voices of people that they wouldn't necessarily um, encounter, you know, in their space of the world. And then also to bring issues to light that, again, people wouldn't hear in, in every aspect. So I'm excited about that. It's daunting though, but you know, if your dreams don't scare you a little bit, you're doing it wrong. So so I figure I'll jump, you know, I'll jump on out there and see where it goes. So I'm in the core cohort until November and then I'll be working on launching by the first of the year. So I'm, I'm very excited about that. Um, I'm doing speaking. I'll be at the Q Employee Relations Conference next week. I'm their opening keynote talking about diversity and inclusion and employee relations. And then I'll be speaking at the Bamboo HR Web Summit in November on handling workplace investigations. I've got a white paper coming out with Ultimate Software about the future of artificial intelligence and HR. And then I'm still writing. I'm still writing for my own blog. Um, I've kind of dropped down to about one post a month. Sometimes I'm able to squeeze out two, but with my calendar looking like it is right now and then having a full-time job and a family, there's just not enough time. So, you know, I'm just keeping busy, making my way, finding my space and, and just following the path, which is, it's exciting. It's definitely exciting. Definitely is. And it's, I loved following the Black Blogs Matter hashtag last year and, and just seeing what was out there and, and finding new people to follow. That I mean, that was the other great thing is getting those voices out in front of myself, which is really awesome because Sarah, you've been great on social media, sharing examples of white allies who get it right. And that's really what 
for mm -hmm. Anne and I trying to get it right. How can we be allies in this fight? I guess, for lack of a better term, I, I don't like don't like that it's a fight, but yeah, you know, I, we are. yeah, I you know, first I say I really appreciate you acknowledging that. I I share stuff a lot of times on Twitter and LinkedIn and Facebook and. I don't know that I necessarily start out with the highest intent. It really is. No, it's, it's, you know, it's the petty side of me. That's like, this stuff is not that hard. Like look at this company or look at this person who is doing diversity and inclusion in a really intentional way and not making it difficult. You know, they're not having difficulty finding the people and, and figuring out how to incorporate them because I think sometimes we make it seem like it's so hard and, and it's not when you're intentional about it. You know, I, I, I share stuff and sometimes I don't always think that I'm sharing it, you know, trying to highlight the, those things, but I'm glad that it's being received that way. And I'm, and it was a call, like hearing you guys say that is a call to me to keep doing it and, and to do it more. But I think in terms of being an ally, it really is about committing to like educate yourself about these issues and learning to listen more than you talk. You know, this work isn't really about you. It's about centering and creating space for other people. So you got to pass the mic. You got to let other people have the opportunity to talk, tell their story, share their experience in their voice and not do anything to interrupt and dilute and discount, you know, what it is that those folks are saying. And then I think the other piece is knowing that you're going to get it wrong and that's okay. Like you're going to say stuff, it's going to offend someone, you're going to have to be corrected. That is all okay, you know, but what's not okay is inserting yourself into the space to share your opinion without having done like any type of like educational effort like there you no requisite knowledge whatsoever and then being unwilling to be checked when someone says yo you're doing this wrong like the way that you're coming at this is is not the right way and you're inserting your privilege into this moment more than anything else and then taking accountability for that and just being willing to say I'm sorry show me how you know to do it better give me resources to teach me how to do it better and then following through on that so you know that for me is is what's really important for anyone who's looking to be an ally and, and I'll even say an accomplice in this <laughs> fight. You know, if you if you're trying to get in here and do this work alongside us, then that's what's really important. You know, as with Black Blogs Matter, there I found so many people who wrote stuff but then didn't really read and reshare other people's stuff. And it's like, this wasn't for white people. And, and I don't say that to be like <laughs> or offensive, but like, this is not about you. Like, this is about centering voices that don't typically have the opportunity to be, you know, heard on a larger platform. So when you insert yourself and your, you know, huge following to say, this is a really important thing. And, but then you don't follow that up with support of the other people who are, are in the space, you doing it wrong. It's good intentions, but it's wrong actions. If we're not willing to hear that feedback, you know, and then do the work it takes 
to correct it. I would just much rather see people step out the space altogether than to come in here and and, and muck it up. You know, I didn't start out blogging and, and speaking because I wanted to be a diversity and inclusion advocate at all. <laughs> like I wanted to write about just regular HR stuff. Like let's talk about the FMLA. Like I didn't put, you know, I didn't set out trying to talk about this, but here I am. And now that I'm here, I realize that my voice is adding value to the space I'm, and I'm creating space for other people as well. And I've, if I'm going to stand here, then I've got to to study and come with more than just my opinions and my observations. And I would just encourage anybody who's wanting to do this work and stand in this space to recognize that and be willing to do those same things as well. I think that's great. It's funny that you're talking, um, you, you know, you're, you're telling us that if we want to be allies or accomplices, that we have to think about our impact, not our intention, um, mm-hmm. or not our intention alone, right? And and own our own impact and um, say we're sorry when we screw it up, which we will. And yet you started by saying, oh, I post those things because I'm feeling kind of petty about it. And it, it doesn't matter, Sarah, what your intention was the impact yeah, the really impact solid. Was good stuff yeah the impact was great but yeah I, I can't I can't even say that my efforts are that noble I definitely am like uh see like here you know because uh, you guys are are both really active on social media and in a lot of the the other HR spaces on LinkedIn and and Facebook and stuff like that you go to conferences you know all, and you you see the conversations that happen and how difficult you know we make this seem and and we do it to people of color we do it to women and it's like you, you got to be kidding me like you know I remember saying that to somebody on Twitter if Hollywood can do inclusion writers we sure we sure can like how is how are we making this so difficult to figure out it's not that difficult um, when you're committed to it but when you just want to give lip service to get some residual hits on your blog by popping onto a hashtag that's really popular, then yeah, yeah, it's going to be hard because your heart's not in the right place. You don't have the right intentions and and the impact isn't going to have the impact that you want it to. So I think it really is, it goes back to intentionality and being willing to be uncomfortable and educate yourself about something that is unfamiliar and really uncomfortable for you in order to, you know, go forth and and do work and make space for other people. We all have a limited, limited shelf life in this. None of us are planning to work forever. I know I don't. So at some point, you you know it's about a, it's a succession plan and you want to make sure that your your plan includes a diverse group of voices you know when you when you hang it up and you decide i'm not blogging anymore i'm not speaking anymore are you just going to pass off your following your contacts your network to to people who just look like you mm-hmm. i i hope not but you know, I certainly don't want that to be the case for myself. I want it to be to to qualify people who have something to say that's going to add value into the space. I don't care what they look like, and I just don't know that um, everybody comes to it with that same intention. But you know, I hope so. I hope that if there really is commitment to to this space and this work that we're doing right now, that that people take some time and read some some different things and just take some time to educate themselves about it and just be willing to be uncomfortable comfortable and shut up <laughs> and let somebody else talk for once so absolutely yes 
So another place where you uh, recently had um, have a voice is you were in a women in leadership webcast that you were recently participated in. So yes. tell us a little bit about that. It was, that was a really just, that was my highlight of my 2018. It's been the best experience. And just the panel of women that we put together, I think we gelled immediately. We all have connection with each other through social media and the conference space already. So it just worked out really well and just came out just it was just epic the amount of of signups that we we received were record-breaking and then there was just so much talk and just really good feedback about it and so we're you know we're talking about doing it again we're talking about possibly having a twitter chat and some other stuff so it's just really good but i think it it is really important for us in the hr space to be willing to have these really real and raw conversations about women in leadership, particularly right now with what's going on with Time's Up and Me Too, because people are looking at human resources as though we were complicit, you know, in a lot of this stuff. And they're wondering what is going on? Where are we at? How are we going to support these things? And I think it's valid. I think these questions are valid. And we've got to be willing to take that feedback, explain ourselves and talk about how we're going to do better as we move forward into into this new season and what that looks like. And, you know, I have had, I don't even know how many conversations with friends who are in HR and friends who are not in HR wondering how we feel about all of this and how all of this is, is working because we are smack dab in the middle. This is our stuff pay, promotion, harassment, and discrimination, it all falls right in our lap. And so we can't pretend like we haven't been a part of this and that we don't have to be a part of the solution in, in as much as we were a part of the problem. Amen. I, I think you're right on the money. And I do, I, I hope you guys do more. That It was an awesome webinar. And uh, yeah, like a Twitter chat would be phenomenal just to get us all in and having those conversations because I don't think there's enough of us having the conversations. I, you know, we see it, the people who are part of them right now are seeing those conversations, but we need to be a little bit, need to get more voices in there. Yeah. I, I think that we, for me, you know, I think we, when it comes to time, up and me too and the intersection of that and HR. I think we lose sight of a couple things that are really important. And first is that the functions of human resources have always been things that business didn't really want to hear about. Like <laughs> they don't. I mean, you know, how we, you know, paying people fair, like there are entire really, really huge very active government agencies dedicated to defending people who were wronged, you know, like the EEOC and the Department of Labor and the Workers' Comp Bureau and all of that stuff, because we didn't, businesses didn't want to do that stuff right. And so you take that and then that's, that's a large part of the human resources function. And then you add to it that human resources is a one and dominated field. So you got this area of business that contains things that businesses don't really want to do anyway. Most businesses, I'm not going to say all, but most businesses don't really want to do it anyway. And then you put women who they don't want to listen to in charge of it. What did you think was going to happen? So I think when you look at, you know, the intersection of all of those things, it, it starts to become pretty obvious as to where HR was. We were being marginalized and not listened to because we were talking about stuff that nobody wanted to hear. I hope that, you know, we start having more honest conversation about that stuff and, and that, 
we really start to delve into that particular intersection, you know, as time goes forward and that we start to figure out how we can incorporate those things into what we're doing from an HR perspective now, you know, as we go forward to do better and not because we don't want to go viral, but because we don't, we want to do the right thing and we want to be better. And I'm still, I'm still not convinced that more, most companies think that way. I think most companies are trying to avoid the liability and the public embarrassment, but I hope that more and more companies and more and more HR people prove me wrong. Well, Sarah, it is now time for everybody's favorite part of the HR Social Hour, and that is the half-hour question connection. Oh, so tell us, how has networking helped you in your career? What's been really effective for you when it comes to networking with everybody? I'm a terrible networker. (laughs) Terrible. So here's the thing. I'm super introverted. Unfamiliar environments, I get really, really like shy. And so I just, you know, I clam up and I could very easily go. I can remember years ago going to conferences and as soon as the last session was over, I was like, I'm out. I'm going back to my room. Like if there was a dinner event, I'm not going because I don't want to talk to strangers. And it was just bad. And so I missed out on so many opportunities to connect with people. Social media has been the thing that has changed networking for me because building relationships with people through social media has helped me feel less anxious about attending conferences and and seminars and events and talking to people. And now I just look at it as let me, let me go make a professional friend. Like let me go to this event and try to just meet one person that I can have a good in-depth conversation with and walk away with their contact information and keep in touch with them. And if I've done that, then I feel like I've done good, but I'm, I'm still figuring that out. And I just, you know, I'm not one of those people that considers myself very good at networking at all. And yet you're clearly, you're doing it well. Thank Um, you. (laughs) Tell us which women do you read or follow for professional insights? Oh my goodness. Um, it's a long list. I don't read a lot because i I feel like I read all day, like between emails and documents. Uh, you, I know you both, you know, understand that in the HR space. So I don't feel like I read enough, but I've started to get really into podcasts. And so obviously I follow Cy Wakeman. I was a guest on her show. That was such like a full circle moment because I've been like such a fan of hers for so many years. And so for her to actually invite me to be a guest on her podcast was like the dopest. I really love um, Everyday Leaders with Chris Plackey. She's based out of California. She's really great. Just like super practical advice with a woman focus. I love the the Productive Woman podcast with Laura McClellan. I, I've gotten so many tips from that podcast on like how to be more organized and how to stop procrastinating. And then I follow Side Hustle Pro with Nikayla Matthews, who's just talking about, who just talks to women of color who have worked businesses on the side in order to launch their own empires. And those stories are just phenomenal. So yeah, podcasts are my jam. (laughs) And so that's really where I go when I'm trying to get inspiration and professional insights. I've got like a 40 minute to commute to work. So I can get one in going and coming pretty easily. A favorite movie that features a strong female cast. Oh my gosh, this is hard. So yeah. I'm 
I'm a person who loves, I love TV and movies and plays. And so I'm a geek for like performance. Like I want to get just like lost, you know, in, in the story and lost in the performance. But for movies this year, for me, which I know it was not intended to be a strong female cast movie, but I say Black Panther. I mean, the Dora Majale, like what? Like, and then like the women saved the day in that movie. Like I get that it was all about King T'Challa, but he would have been nothing without his mom and his sister and those women. I mean, they were just so badass, just amazingly regal and confident and smart. And like, how could you not aspire to be like them and want to like hang out with those people? So that that one this year, I think, is is the highest ranking ones. But then I watch a lot of TV, too. So I also have to give a shout out to Big Little Lies with Reese Witherspoon and Nicole Kidman on HBO. That cast and, and the show they put together was just amazing. If you have not seen it, get somebody's HBO <laughs> app login and binge it because it is so, it is so, so very good. That is great. And I am with you. The female story in Black Panther was just phenomenal yes yeah if they um, don't capitalize on that and do some spinoffs then the, the life is just not right like exactly. go do like make this happen because that that's the most <laughs> interesting story of it all absolutely so how about a favorite female musician or band so all time i would say mary j blige um I, she she can just do no wrong like they could somebody could be like mary j blige recorded herself reading the phone book and i'm like yes i got to download it i got to have it <laughs> like she is just she is just my favorite she can do no wrong and then in terms of current stuff i am so completely enamored with cardi b like i just love her i think she's so you know this whole thing fight thing with her and Nicki minaj aside she's so unapologetically herself and it's it's just an interesting phenomenon to me to watch this young woman who was a stripper and came from like really, really humble means and showing up and blowing up and not being and being like, I'm going to make funny noises. I'm going to talk how I talk. I'm going to be who I am, where whatever space I show up in so unapologetically. I just think it's the coolest thing and, and the way that it's challenging the stereotypes of how people who are super famous and, and blowing up have to behave. So I, you know, I hope her star continues to shine and yeah, I'm down with the Barty gang. I, I do. I love Cardi B. How about a favorite female protagonist in a book? Miranda Priestley, the Devil Wears Prada. Oh, um, I know. I know she's a movie character too. And Meryl Streep was amazing in that role. I, but I've read the book twice. I read the sequel to the book, which makes me mad that they haven't turned that into a movie because it was almost better than oh. the original one. It's so. It's so. If you get the chance to read Revenge, like I did it in a day and a half. Like I devoured oh. that book. It was so good. But and I mean not just her. Like the, all the characters, Emily and. Andy and and even Lily, you know, they're in the book get so much more play than what she got in the movie. And but yeah, Miranda Priestley is one of the just best characters ever. Um, and I think as a woman in business, we can all relate to her just a little bit. Like being in a tough industry, male-dominated industries, I can understand how it can make you hard and demanding. And so I say all the time, I think Miranda Priestley was just a little misunderstood. 
Um, <laughs> she was not as bad as, as people made her out to be. Um, so yeah, she's definitely favorite favorite pro- protagonist in a book, hands down. Sarah, when you are not uh, watching Black Panther, or, <laughs> wait a minute, I'm going to see if I can remember these. I don't have them. This is hard because uh, I said a lot. Okay. Uh, when you're not watching Black Panther, when you're not listening to Cardi B, when you are not uh, reading The Devil Wears Prada, what do you like to do outside of work? I have a full-time job and five kids, and I write and speak on the side. So I feel like I don't have a lot of downtime, and I really, <laughs> I like, because even in my downtime, like, I'm, I feel like I'm studying something or, or preparing, you know, for something. Like, let me read this article and learn more about this thing. So even my downtime becomes, like, a form of study, which isn't. So I just really love to, like, binge TV. I've gotten into this habit where I don't watch TV during the week anymore. So Friday nights after I get off of work, I just binge, like I binge everything <laughs> and I stay up to like two o'clock in the morning, like I'm a teenager and just binge all of my television shows from the week. I'm hoping that I can keep that up now that the fall season is starting because I'm big into like This Is Us and Grey's Anatomy and I've never not watched those live. So I don't even know how <laughs> I function, but I'm going to try it and see what happens. But yeah, if, if I'm not working or with my family, I, I love a good, I call it my introvert turn up where I can just get on my couch with a good drink, alcoholic or otherwise, curl up under my New York Giants blanket and watch some good television. That's it. Sarah, you have successfully completed the question connection. I did it. I ran the gauntlet. Yay. So happy to have you. So Thank this you. is your opportunity to share with the listeners how they can find you, um, how they can connect with you. The best way to connect with me is the buzz on HR. I am the buzz on HR on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, LinkedIn, everywhere. And my website is is the same name. So Google the buzz on HR and you will find me in all of those places. Um, slide in my DMs and send me a note. I respond pretty quickly. So, um, but yes, I look forward to anyone who, who wants to connect with me um, and that's the best place to find me. How about you, Anne? So you can find me um, on LinkedIn, Anne Tomkinson. You can find me on Twitter, uh, Anne Tomk, A-N-N-E-T-O-M-K. Those are the two main places that I, I am, but you can find me, yeah, Twitter, LinkedIn. Um, you can follow my blog, which is hrunderground.wordpress.com. And I also have a um, a non-HR related personal blog, uh, The Road Less Peddled, also WordPress, if you are interested in learning more about me outside of HR. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Wendell93. I, I'm there, uh, happy to connect with everyone. It's my favorite way to connect with people. Um, it's my favorite way to network, I'll be honest with that. You can also find me on my um, on my blog, mydailyjourney.com. Daily is D as in dog, A-I-L-E-Y. And the fourth Sunday of each month, please join us on Twitter. Uh, follow the hashtag HR Social Hour, and uh, we'll, we'll chat about something fun before we kick off the work week. So again, Sarah... Thank you so much for joining us today. This was thank you. wonderful. Happy to chat thank with you, you and connect connect with you. Um, and thank you for co-hosting again. And uh, for the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast, this is Wendy signing off. And I hope you all have a great day. 